Hey, Chloe, do you think progressivism is corrupting our education system? It definitely is. Let's talk about it. Politics, culture, faith, and so much more. This is Fact of Life with Chloe Noller and Mattingly Watson on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Welcome back to The Fact of Life. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We are back with our third installation of the education series that we're going through right now. We're going to talk about the progressive attack on education. This is probably one of our most serious episodes because this is going to address the real problems that we're facing as a nation, as a society, a culture, and as the world because of the ways that progressivism has infected uh, the education system and where it's left us today with this this woke liberal mindset education and there's a lot of issues with this so we're really excited to dive deeper into what this is what it means and uh, what's it what its impacts have been yeah so last episode we at the end there started touching on how this progressive movement that came up especially involving education you know, they're trying to change a system that they do not understand. And the scary thing about that is that when you're trying to change a system you don't understand, it's not just that, but they're they're teaching children to also try to change a system they don't understand. So we're replacing this liberal arts education or, you know, any education that is like that with an education that you know, you're putting in things like identity politics and teaching kids like through critical race theory that everything about any system, you know, the country or the education system, every system they're a part of, teaching them that it, it's inherently wrong. Mm-hmm. And so not only are you trying to change a system you don't understand, but you're teaching the children to change the system they don't understand. Right. And and that's just so dangerous because it's like that quote I said at the beginning, like where you, when you don't know what you've left behind, you don't know how to move forward. C.S. Lewis says, whereas the Western Christian paideia is the mother hen trying to teach the children hens how to fly, progressivism is about getting chickens ready for the slaughterhouse. Um, and I just think that's a really scary quote, but it's so real. C.S. Lewis had so much to say about this in his book, The Abolition of Man. Highly recommend that read. Um, just to get a better picture exactly of what um, progressivism does. But, you know, instead of liberating citizens uh, with a complete education that, you know, imparts the wisdom of the past, the progressives instead desire to train a collected uh, or a controlled working class to serve the welfare of the nation alone. And so there's a lot of experiments, actually, that have been done to see how this actually works. When you switch from training people up to... um, you know, learn from the past and uh, learn from that and how to move forward. Um, just doing something, creating citizens that are basically just there to improve the welfare of the nation. So very like, you know, technical based professions. They're doing things just for um, product, you know, for productivity and all this. Um, Gary, Indiana is a really good example of this. They in the high schools removed pretty much a lot of the liberal arts and basically just did like a kind of, uh, you know, technical schooling. And mm-hmm. like a, like a, what's it called? Trade school. There you go. Um, a trade school, basically. And this city burned, like, not literally. I mean, <laughs> like, it, the, the citizens, 
like it was one of the poorest, most dangerous cities in the world. Like just a couple, um, just a couple decades after this education happened in the, in the town. Anyways, it's just a really interesting case study on the effects of progressivism, you know, short term and even long term. But yeah, that's really what we're talking about here. The progressives are trying to get a hold of the minds and hearts of the next generation to make something that they can control, something that they can influence, and um, purely so that they can lead to the destruction of America. Mm-hmm. You know, this reminds me of actually a book that we have been reading. We just finished it up in my American government class, but it's called Leviathan and Its Enemies by Samuel T. Francis. And one of the things we were talking about is that when they, whether it's any sort of regime or in this case, like progressives, they can control your emotions and make you think that you're making the right decision. It doesn't matter whether there's thought process behind it, but as long as your emotions are in check there, then they're in control. Mm-hmm. Because if they if they control your if if everything you do is reliant on your emotions, and they control your emotions, then they control everything you do. Um, and it was interesting. One of the the quotes from the book it said, "Ideologies, doctrines, the purpose of which is not to offer true scientific or philosophical philosophical explanations of reality, but rather justify a course of action for a particular group." So. You know, looking at these different ideologies and these different systems are trying to put in a lot of things, but, you know, specifically education, it, it doesn't matter whether there's true, like I said, scientific or philosophical explanations, no matter what it is, but as long as it's a justification for their actions, mm-hmm. then, you know, anything is okay. We see that in, like, identity identity politics. Yeah. The whole thing, what was that, a few years ago, like, math is racist? Like Oh, what? my like, word, yeah. No, <laughs> two plus two does not equal five. <laughs> I know, like, you can't cancel me. <laughs> two plus two equals four, not five. Um, wow. In 1916, the Department of the Interior published a bulletin on social studies in secondary education. This bulletin defined social studies as something developed for the organization and development of human society and to man as a member of social groups. So what we're looking at here is this, this document that's purpose was to train individuals for citizenship. But this citizenship wasn't dedicated to, you know, brotherhood and and love of citizens of America, but it was an ingrained social status that was conditioning a utilitarian social group. So William Dunn uh, wrote, um, he wrote a lot for the centralization of education, and he proposed that in facing the increasing complexity of society, it is most important that the youth of the land be steadied by an unwavering faith, not, not in God, not in morals, not in in virtue, but an unwavering faith in humanity and by an appreciation of the institutions which have contributed to the advancement of civilization. This is a dangerous statement here. It's saying that in order to progress or in order to move forward in the future and face these challenges of the future, we need to have faith in humanity, in each other, and, and, and with thankfulness to the institutions which have contributed so much to our civilization. That's such a dangerous statement. That's not a fixed morality. That's not a fixed faith. You can't have faith in humanity. If you do, you will be disappointed every day of the week. Humans are fallen and dark because of, because of sin. Yes, God offers saving grace and we can be transformed because of that, but we're still affected by original sin. Mm-hmm. And, and so you, if you're having faith in humanity... And in the institutions, like he says, which you have contributed to the advancement of civilization. 
it, it's it's going to fail you every yeah. day of the week. And I think what's come from that is it's almost like this idea of having hope in humanity has transformed into what Chloe is saying here, like with Absolutely. faith in humanity. You can have hope. Exactly. But it's not like faith. And you can have hope in humanity because you have faith in God. Like, That's right. Like, Amen. It, like, Sister, preach. If you even Google the definition of faith, it's like having complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and like having hope in humanity means you realize that we are broken. We are not perfect. And I think you could, you should and can acknowledge that even if you don't believe in God. Like that mm-hmm. is just something you can know the ancients did you know yes. even if they didn't believe in god the ancient philosophers exactly. agreed. yeah and to have complete trust and confidence in a group like a species that is so obviously broken and imperfect is just stupid like there's absolutely i mean like you know there doesn't have to be more complex explanation than that it's just stupid <laughs> yeah yeah but you know having faith in god that he can transform and and move and move past and overcome those difficulties that that original sin that darkness in our hearts he's the one that transforms he's the one that makes all things new you know and so when you're having when you have education based on this foundational principle it's it's going to you know instill faith um in god and 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 that's the point that should be the point of education um yeah uh Com- C.S. Lewis commented kind of on that, that like the differences in these educations, these two forms of education. Um, uh, he says, where the old initiated, the new merely conditions. It's kind of that same idea where he says, you know, education is not about um, uh, like flattening jungles. It's about cultivating mm-hmm. deserts. You know, it's it's initiating. It's like that's why um, right now, you know, there's the whole thing in education about um, AI and like you know, papers, you know, you're just putting in a, a prompt and someone's writing a paper for you. Um, the big thing that Hillsdale says about this, because, you know, a lot of ways there's really no way to tell, you know, mm-hmm. but what they do is they're saying, you're cutting yourself short in education because you are not initiating anything. You are plugging something in and it's doing the critical thinking for you. And so that would be conditioning. That would be, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to think about it. You're just conditioned into this mindset. Whereas when you have to struggle and wrestle over a prompt for an English paper over a, a poem or something, when you have to wrestle with that and come up with this argument on your own, you're growing, you are stretching your mind, stretching those muscles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's literally stretching those muscles. You could apply it to like physically working out as well. Absolutely. You're not going to get stronger and more fit and more healthy unless you're actually doing the work, unless you're mm-hmm. actually running the miles or lifting or whatever they may be. Like, right. you're not going to get stronger and more fit by walking into the gym, taking a picture in the mirror, posting <laughs> it on Instagram and walking out. So true. Like, you're so going true. to look like you are. People are going to be like, oh, that person works out, but you're not actually going to be there. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're just going to college for the four-year degree and you're going to sit there and use AI the whole time, like, you're conditioned to, to not be actually exercising your brain you're not going to mm-hmm. grow mm-hmm. academically just like you wouldn't grow physically by faking going to the gym right right as you're looking at this progressive ideology um you know you got to be wondering like, how does this pan out what what is it what is it what are its consequences and so i think the first thing you see is in the 1960s and 70s you have like this like youth revolution kind of thing it's about like the sexual revolution 
and all this all this stuff you have a lot of civil rights movements which were a really good thing um but you have all these things that are trying to throw off these traditions of their parents um you know like you know the the, the generation that lived during world war ii is called the greatest generation there's all this throwing off of these restraints and people lament this a lot and even progressives it's like they seem to expect that what they're doing is going to make good things happen like when you um, when you free people from restraint or from these guidelines or rules or whatever you want to call it, when you let people just be free to be who they want to be, they expect things to go well because I think inherently you think that that's what's really right and true, but it doesn't. You you, you get led to the destruction that we're facing today. And so C.S. Lewis, of course, has a comment on this as well. And he said, this is one of my favorite quotes from him um, regarding education. He says, it's sort of a ghastly simplicity. When we remove the organ and demand the function, we make men without chests and expect them of virtue and enterprise. We laugh at honor and are shocked to find traitors in our midst. I just think this is so beautiful because he's, he's saying here, like, you cannot remove the very foundation and function of a good man and expect him to act honorably. Like women all the time are, are lamenting about how men are getting worse or, you know, there's a lot more sexual crime, things like, things like that. Um, but when you remove the very foundation and basis from which they can make good decisions and learn how to live a good and virtuous life, you can't expect them to do that if you don't have that foundation. And so I think that that's, that's one of these big consequences we're seeing from this education. And it's interesting too, like with progressive education, you know, if you look it up, it'll tell you, oh, like progressive education is just getting the student like in engaged more like they're actually learning now because they're actually integrating things but then if you research further you'll notice these trends like we've been talking about like for instance looking um back in like 1875 when this was like kind of first coming to america you know they were replacing traditional readers spellers and grammar books with children's own writing, literature, and teacher-prepared materials. Like... That's like a Montessori school. Like, I'm just... It's so crazy to me. Like, I think this is one of the... I don't like how, like, universalized textbooks are now. So, for those of you... Well, this has to be what I'm saying, I promise. But for those of you oh, who but don't I know, know I agree. like, at Hillsdale, like, obviously some of our classes do use textbooks, depending on it. But yeah, especially, I mean, especially, like, you need those for, like, sciences and math yes, and stuff. things those, like those are that, that are explaining concepts. Yeah. But for things like this that, you know, mentioning here, like, English and, like, all, like, history and, like, philosophy, like, all of these things, what we're reading are purely primary source documents. If we're going to go read something about history, we're going to read the document yeah. from the event. We're not going to read some, like, 60-year-old guy named Bill's assessment of it <laughs> like what yeah absolutely like, you can't analyze and like interpret an event or a piece of literature if you're not reading it or learning about it from the most primary sources available mm -hmm. you're going to take on the opinion of whoever wrote that textbook absolutely and it's been so interesting to me I kind of have a mix of this right now I have classes that have both a textbook or like a maybe not a textbook but like a general like overview of the subject we're covering and what I love is, like, that will reference 
things. So I have the book and I have a bunch of, like I have a reader, which is a bunch of collected writings of these early church fathers because I'm in history of Christian thought. And, and so I'll be reading a document and then I'll go read the review, like the, the chapter that we've been assigned from this book or whatever. And it'll reference like the documents I just read. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I understand this so much better. If I just come at this looking like reading this book from, I'd be like, I have no idea who Arius is. I, that mm-hmm. makes no sense to me. I don't know who Origen is. I don't know why mm-hmm. he was called a heretic. I haven't read any of his stuff, but I read these documents and then I go back and read the, you know, the, the general overview textbook thing. And it references those and puts it in a bigger context. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that makes so much sense. And I love that. Like, again, it's kind of this initiating factor where you are reading, you are coming up with these things and, you know, it, it just gives you a more comprehensive education. I, I love that about my Greek. Literally, we have like this little tiny textbook. We never use it ever. He just gives us a bunch of reading because you learn Greek grammar by reading. Is it the hardest way to learn gra- Greek? Yes, <laughs> but it's also mm-hmm. the best way. And so like it is the most infuriating, but like I understand what you're doing, Dr. Mm-hmm. Garnier's kind of class ever. Like Cause sometimes the easiest way isn't the best way. So true. Like, so oftentimes the easiest way is the best choice way. Isn't the challenge. Right. Work smarter, not harder doesn't always work. So yeah, that, exactly. sometimes that. working smarter is working harder. <laughs> Amen. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy things there. Yeah. Um, something, another thing, I'm sorry that I have so many Lewis quotes. Maybe I shouldn't <laughs> apologize for that, but something that I think we're going to kind of segue into here, just kind of, um, again, I mean, even again, it's just furthering this idea here. Lewis says, by starving the sensibility of our pupils, we only make them easier prey to the propagandist when he comes. Lewis is writing after World War II. He's writing after, you know, or during it as well. Like, the propaganda, right? This is about communism, a Nazi, um, you know, rule in Germany, and like all this propaganda, right? And he's saying, if you don't educate people to be sensible, to initiate their own critical thinking, to have a process of elimination and a foundation from which to judge things on, they will fall prey to the propagandist when he comes so quickly, any day of the week. Um, and, and I just, I think that he was so wise in saying that. And that's exactly what we're seeing today. Exactly what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing that really overarches all of this that we've just been talking about is control. And mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. it's an end of, it's, the, the progressive movement and this corruption of education um, trying to parade under under this facade of an individualistic worldview, but really it's like a, a homogenous society. Um, that was another thing we kind of talked about in my American government class. But if you look at everything, whether it's, you know, the taking away the books and things that we just talked about, making it something that, you know, they're writing. They're controlling what you're reading. You're not reading about the event. You're reading what they thought about the event. Mm-hmm. That's control. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, fighting against school choice. Like, that's control, too. That's control. It's they're, all control. They're controlling where you go to school. Like, that's insane. And then also, they're wanting to control your identity, too. Like, you know, putting critical race theory in schools and, you know, things like affirmative action, different like identity politics. Um, if they control your identity and your access to it, then they control you. Mm-hmm. You know, they're telling you, oh, be you. This is the most free you've ever been. Mm-hmm. You're learning all these things. It's all up to you. You know, you're truly living in yourself. 
but they really just have you by a string. Absolutely. You only have that identity because they let you, because they tell you yeah. you have it. Right. I can assure you, you didn't identify as a zur zurs until somebody told you you could. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just, it's fascinating to me because when you really look at the history of progressivism, as we've talked about, you know, they removed this, what education used to be based on, uh, you know, the Bible on morals and virtue and basing it on like this liberal arts tradition of learning from the past and this great foundation. They remove the foundation and replace it very, very slyly with uh, faith in humanity, like William Dunn says, and America. And it's all this like patriotism, like America is the best. We're going to like do good things for America, which is also following World War II when every, you know, nationalism is high within America. We, we've won the war. Like, you know, we, we're, we have a lot of faith in America. But this is the dangerous part because when they get you, when they get a hold of you and they say like, oh my goodness, we're going to like, um, because America is doing so well, like obviously like it's the saving grace of the world. And so you can have full faith in it. And so just listen to what we say. As you do that, then, you know, now they can, they can transform everything you think. Um, and so, you know, whatever, whatever the government is saying, whatever the progressives are saying is exactly what you follow too, because that's what you've placed your faith in. And so, you know, yeah, again, it's this control where they have absolutely, you, you have a bias string and they can do whatever they want. They can tear down the country if they want. They can make it the most powerful country if they want. Mm -hmm. It's all about the mob. Abraham Lincoln once said, the philosophy of education in one generation becomes the philosophy of government in the next. Mm. And amen to that. Wow. That, yeah, that... Simple quote right there, but <laughs> sure does hit it, hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one thing that I think is so important to recognize is that they're working through education, but they're hitting really every aspect of our lives. It's, it's going through education, but it's to transform society as a whole. And one thing that, you know, this whole like mass society, like, and progressivism trying to teach is... You know, there's the attack on the nuclear family. That's right. If you look anywhere nowadays, it's taking that apart. And when you take apart the nuclear family, you know, our, our original instinct as humans to rely on a nuclear family, um, obviously on God first, but, you know, rely on your, your family. When you're taking that importance away, what do you turn to? You turn to what is supplying you with your emotions, supplying you with the things you need or think you need, supplying mm -hmm. you with all these things. And so they're taking away the nuclear family and then they're telling you and convincing you that they are the ones that are supplying mm -hmm. it for you. Mm -hmm. And so then your reliance then turns on the government and on what they tell you to do. And that's all through this education system. Yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about in the next segment. Make sure you come back. Just a reminder, you're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 11.7 FM and we'll be with you right after the break. And so much more. This is Fact of Life with Chloe Noller and Maddie Lee Watson on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Welcome back to the second segment of the Fact of Life. We're so glad you've joined us. We've just been talking about progressivism. We've been talking about its its 
deep roots and its control on education, control on the mind of the young. We've been talking about its attack on education and how that has played out in the modern day. We've heard from C.S. Lewis, Abraham Lincoln, William Dunn, all these people that have a lot to say about education. Now we're going to shift focus and talk about the family and another aspect of how the progressives have attacked education, attacked the nuclear family and what that um, is doing to our society today. Mighty Grace, tell us more about that. Yeah, so we kind of got into this a little bit before the break, but one of the big things, you know, all of this ties together is the nuclear family. We as human beings, just from our core, automatically rely on our family unit. And obviously a lot of things can happen in life that may disrupt that. You know, maybe you don't have that nuclear family unit, but as a base typical like human, if everything goes right and how it should be, nuclear family relied on kind of thing. And you know why that is? It's because that's literally God's design for humanity Mm -hmm. to have a mom and a dad with children, that's that's the most natural form of things to do. So when we literally say, like, it's the most natural thing, like, this is the most natural thing because God created it that mm-hmm. way. And the reason that, a lot, obviously, there are many reasons, but a large reason why the nuclear family is becoming less and less, people are like, oh, like, we shouldn't necessarily promote the nuclear family as much because that's not everybody's, that's not what everybody's family looks like. And the reason... A lot of families don't look like that anymore. Obviously, there are some exceptions out there. Can't apply to everything. But the reason a lot don't look like that anymore is because you're being taught and you're being told that that's not necessary. You know, it's it's absolutely heartbreaking. But should everything go how it's supposed to go, you're a part of a nuclear family and, you, and like, you as a human rely on that family unit. Mm-hmm. Well, progressivism is it promotes, I mean, I'm looking at an article right now, I can't read it because I'm not a subscriber and I'm not going to subscribe to, and I quote, rethinking schools. But the article is titled, Disarming the Nuclear Family, Creating a Classroom Book that Reflects the Class. And there's even, there's a literal book that like, they're also like selling to schools to teach to children. Um, Don't really understand. But, you know, they're literally teaching to disarm the nuclear family. And when that is what you rely on as a part of who you are as a human, when you take that away, you're going to look for something to rely on. Mm -hmm. You know, something here to rely on. Obviously, as as we've talked before, Chloe and I are both Christians. We, like, you should be relying on God. But as far as, like, God designing the nuclear family right. to I mean, you, you're, you're raised by parents. You exactly. know, you rely on them for your information mm-hmm. on how to grow into a moral and, you know, virtuous human being. Exactly. And so you take that away and it's like, okay, where do I go find my morals and virtue from? Oh, well, mm-hmm. the people who are taking that away from you are also the ones who are tricking you, convincing you, deceiving you into believing they're the ones that can give it to you. Right, right. You know, I think media, I want to talk about this, it has mm. such a huge role in this. I want to I want to touch back on that in a minute. But, you know, it's interesting, like the, the quote I mentioned last time of, of Abraham Lincoln saying the philosophy of education, one generation becomes this philosophy of government in the next. This is so true because you see initially um, when you're putting this emphasis and basis for, you know, like trusting and this faith in you know, America or in the progressives plan for America. Um, 
you're seeing this education and it's it's transforming the government of the next generation. And so that's when you see these laws being made, these rulings being passed about removing prayer from, from schools, um, removing the Bible from schools when you, you can't even use it anymore or pray in schools. You see these court cases being handed down, uh, Roe v. Wade, that's happening in the 70s. Um, you have all of these rules and these laws that are saying, you know what? No, we, we can't have this, this stuff in education anymore. Um, we're going to remove all of this, all of this stuff. Um, you know, you, you literally can't read the Bible in schools anymore. And, and that's Abington versus Schmepp. It's a really interesting court case, by the way. And, and, and even so, like, there's, there's these laws that have been passed that are, like, incentivizing single mothers. They get more money if they're single. And, like, you know, they have multiple kids, but they don't have a husband. And so there's all these, like, really sly laws being passed that incentivize economically and, like, purely for monetary reasons, it's, like, easier to have, you know, just a single mother with a couple kids, with, like, a, a husband and a wife, and they're, like, working and providing for a normal family. Like, that's more expensive. I'm not sure how the laws work. I haven't, like, delved deep into all those laws in a long time, but I know they're there. And we could even do a whole episode on those as well. Mm-hmm. But the government primarily attacks this, um, this family structure. And so, again, it's incentivizing this change. And then, you know, the, the education is still teaching this stuff. So it's making it worse and worse until you get here where it's it's all about, you know, doing whatever you want, whenever you want. That's why they're so mad about, you know, the Dobbs case overturning Roe v. Wade. And um, there's all this stuff. But, you know, it's, it's just it's interesting to see, like, how that educational uh, reform early on in the night in the 1900s transformed into the philosophy of government that in, made laws that incentivize single mothers or single single dads, single parent homes. Um, and, and that is one of the worst things that can ever happen to, to people, to have a young man growing up without a dad, um, to have a young woman growing up without a dad, or a mom. We're not, like, men and women were created to do things together. Like, that's why marriage, that's why Eve was created, because Adam was not, he was not, um, it was not adequate that he should be alone. Like, it was not good for him to be alone. He needed a helper. And so you're meant to have this man and this woman serving different roles in the family. They're equal, but they have these different roles in the family. And they're both so needed. And when you remove one of them, it just destroys the entire system. There are incredible single moms out there mm-hmm. who are doing an incredible job. And there's oh, yeah. a lot of reasons why there are families that are broken. Um, again, we live in a sinful world and stuff. And I'm not saying that, like, if you are mm-hmm. a single parent... Like, you're doing something wrong. Like, that's not at all. But, like... Yeah, because it'll never be perfect. No, for sure. Exactly. But the the ideal is to have mm-hmm. a mom and a dad. And a lot of people grow up. And you're seeing now with people growing up with two moms or two dads and just the <laughs> the wreckage that makes. But, you know, this is this is what God created. This is his plan for human humanity. And it's being so marred and destroyed right now. And you're seeing such huge effects because of it. The problem is, you know... There will always be circumstances where there's a single parent household. And unfortunately, like, like that's just how it, it's going to be, depending. There will always be those circumstances. And like Chloe said, we have to, like, band together with those families. Help them. If you know them, you'll help them through that. But the problem is the, that, those, that number of families has been, like, increasing. And so it's instead of... Focusing on, okay, if you only are in a single parent household, you know, for a lot of reasons, 
like, let's, you know, give all the money to that. Let's government support that and all of these things. Instead of putting the main focus on that, why are we not putting the main focus on, okay, let's prevent that? You know, there's so many things, so many things where it's like, oh, we're helping, but they're not helping. They're just putting the attention on the quote unquote bad outcome that's really not doing anything to stop the outcome, Mm -hmm. but encouraging it more because, you know, there'll be support there. Should there be support there? Yes, there should be support there, but we should be putting our main focus on stopping it because you can put a bucket under a roof leak, but it's not going to do anything as long as the leak doesn't stop. It's it's so true. And, you know, I think this also has to do with the lack of, like, voluntary associations today. You know, we, like, uh, Alexis de Tocqueville wrote a book called Democracy of America. Fantastic book. But he talks a lot about the voluntary associations in the early 1800s. These were the things that people got together to do, like churches or groups that people create, like rotary clubs, that kind of thing where you you focus on a problem in the community and, and try to fix it. There's reliance on churches to provide the aid for the families in the community, um, provide provide for them. And you see this increasingly, like this increasing distance from that, especially when, you know, you're incentivizing, you're, you're directing people away from the faith. They don't grow up in a church. They don't have that church community to take care of them if they're going through a rough patch. Um, and you know, like, I, I just see this, this is, I think this is a big deal too, but when you don't have that church community or you don't have a community to rely on, like, I just, this is crazy to me because I really saw the benefit of that, um, this past summer, I guess it was a late summer. I wasn't even home anymore. Um, but there was a huge wildfire where I'm from and Mm -hmm. my, the fire got three miles away from my house and my parents were overwhelmed by the amount of love and support from our friends and our, our church, especially they reached out and they're like, Hey, if you, like you need anything, like we're praying for you guys, like we're here for you. If you need anything, let us know if you need a place to evacuate to, if your animals need a place to go, like, please let us know, you know, that church community just surrounded them and they were there, they were ready to help. And like, that's that frontline defense, you know, like these mm-hmm. communities coming together to help each other. That's where single parents should be getting the help from, you know, these communities, mm-hmm. these church communities, you know, not, I understand that not everybody goes to a church, but like this is, that was that idea that we're relying on each other, not the government for help. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, then you're getting the centralization of government, the, the control of government. I think government mm-hmm. and education are so intertwined here. Um, but he who has the gold makes the rules. Mm, I've been so waiting true. to use that quote. <laughs> that's so good. But yeah, and I also want to bring up media. There's a film that came out called The Social Dilemma. About 2020, it came out. It is it is really wild, and I think it's it's very very good. I think everyone should watch it. Um, it, it really gives you a good picture of just what social media is about and what it does to an individual. And I know a lot of people who watched it and were like swore off Instagram and everything forever, which I don't blame them at all. Um, I personally haven't made that decision. We've you know we've done a little episode on social media. You can mm-hmm. listen to that as well. But specifically, one of our summer snippets. yeah, one of our summer snippets, very interesting, very uh, niche, we love. And, um, but I think there are some things that it presents in it, which I think are just so fascinating and show a lot of um, where we get these issues today, especially when everyone went home in 2020. I think this really contributes to the woke mobs, you know, Black Lives Matter, everything that was going on. Anyone's information came from the media. The social media, no matter where you were, this is Facebook, this is Instagram, this is Snapchat, this is, you know, whatever people use these days. TikTok, I think that was a, a big one. Um, or, you know, Twitter, X, or whatever it's called now. 
But, you know, there's all these different ways you can be getting. And the social media algorithm is created so that when you get into a hole, a little niche, a thing that you like, and you keep liking things, it's it'll show you. It's all psychological. It's all psychological. And mm-hmm. it will keep showing you those things. Like, for a long time on Instagram, <laughs> I love baby animals. And all I saw were videos of baby animals. And so what did I get? <laughs> sent videos of baby animals by Chloe all day, every They're day. so cute. Baby cows, ducks. baby ducks, mm. baby goats, baby otters, otters mm-hmm. all of this. Mostly otters. But it's Sheep? all psychological. It's yeah. do- They're sending you hits of it dopamine, is. and now they control you. I mean, especially when they it's send you videos of baby animals. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's just science. No, it, it is science, guys. Listen to the science. It's the one time you'll hear me say this. Listen, <laughs> Listen to the science. science when it's actual science, no, not so fake true. science. But... The scary thing was, and it, it really showed a good view of this, is, you know, we can laugh about how it shows us, like, pictures of baby animals or, like, wedding. I get all the wedding stuff. I have no idea why. <laughs> Literally, I don't know why. Are you planning have, a wedding? I'm not planning a wedding. Although, a professor asked me the other day if I was engaged because I wear a purity ring. And I was like, no, Dr. Calvert, I'm not engaged. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> Anyways, um, the... the, the Instagram and all this stuff is designed to send you what you want. And so when, especially like in political issues, when you are, you know, when you're interested in a specific political issue and you're like learning more about it, it's going to send you any information that you want. Um, And it's crazy how connected these things are. Like literally, dude, I was Mm -hmm. just looking at shoes on a website and they kept appearing on Instagram. And I was like, bro, how did this work? I don't even know how this happened. But it's, it's crazy. They know so much about you and it's kind of freaky. You really should probably get off. Not going to lie. I just have two jobs on Instagram, so I can't get rid of it. Um, I tied myself to it with money on accident. Anyways, when you get yourself in this hole, all you're seeing is the same information over and over again. And -hmm. you're seeing people, only people, that are telling you one point of view. And so it looks like, because you're coming across all this information that says the same thing, and you're like, oh my goodness, this is the truth. This is the truth, and I'm going to follow it Mm -hmm. to the bitter end. And so especially like when you get Black Lives Matter, when you get like all this woke ideology, you get all this misinformation, Mm -hmm. literal misinformation. They're putting you in a tunnel. Right. They're putting you down a, a tunnel, and that's all you can see. And so you get more and more hype about it. And and then all of a sudden you find yourself on the street bashing in a glass window because of all this injustice supposedly mm-hmm. that's going on. Yes. And, you know, it, like Chloe said, everything is interconnected in so many ways, really. We see it from the media. We see it from all of these things. And so looking at education, too, going back to that control, they're even they're like they are putting you in a tunnel in every aspect of your life. Yep. And so, I mean, looking at this, they're teaching you these things. They're they're giving you the same information over and over again, just like they're doing through media and technology to where if you don't know there's anything more than like, that's all you're going to know. You're not going to think to challenge it. Um, one thing I've always thought is interesting is like civics classes and requirements in states and high schools. Um, and there are, in my opinion, there aren't as much requirements as they should be. And I think that's in large part due to, because if you don't know what there is to challenge, you're not going, you're, you're not going, like, if you don't know what there is to challenge and someone's just telling you to challenge it, you're going to. So, like, for instance, with our civics, all 50 states, the only thing all 50 states have are just standards that you have to somehow incorporate, mention, cover civics and government in a social studies class at some point in high school. 
only 39 states require at least one course in government and civics. In my school, it was a one-semester course on civics that detailed, um, what was it? It was, like, we literally just talked about, like, civil rights for half of the time, which is not civics. Like, That's what they all love to teach, civil we rights. We just talked about civil rights. Only 21 states um, require a state-mandated social studies test. Eight Only eight states require students to take a government or civics test, and only nine states require a social studies test as a requirement for high school graduation. But it's like, I've said this before and I'll say it again. We're all going to have different careers. We're all going to do different things. But the one thing that we're all more than likely going to do, almost all of us, is live in America. Right. Like, if you don't understand the government that you're being taught to go against, then you will have no reason to doubt being taught to go against it. Yeah. Yeah. They're pigeonholing you away from the information. Right. And I just think it's so interesting. I think we saw we saw the serious repercussions of this during COVID. Because mm-hmm. first of all, when everyone came home, all the parents saw what was really being taught in schools. And there was so much backlash because they're like, what are you teaching my child? Like, it wasn't that big of a deal beforehand. I don't remember all the news coverage on, you know, parents going to school board meetings and stuff. I mean, I know they did, but it wasn't as big of a deal before then. But everyone sees on their child's Zoom, you know, oh my goodness, what is my child being taught right now? And you're realizing they're not being taught anything. And what they are being taught is just this progressive mindset they're, they're not teaching any foundation of morality, not teaching any foundation whatsoever for a child to build their life on. Um, it's just this kind of like, you do you, man. You do what you love. You do what makes you happy. And that's going to be the best thing for you. And then you pair that with the media, especially when you come home and everyone is quarantined and can't go anywhere. And then also, all you do is you get on you get on Instagram, you get on TikTok, you scroll, you get pigeonholed in the same things, you're being told the same things, which are mostly lies, by the way. Oh, the like, amount of Instagram posts I saw during COVID yeah. that I like I would read, I would go actually research it for myself, which I encourage everyone to Absolutely. do. Always research for Even yourself. for what we say. Seriously, so do your own research. Wrong. No, it's, it's so wrong. It, it was, was so annoying. Was I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like I eventually Thank began you for to citing your source. Oh wait, you didn't. <laughs> I began to realize that when they put the mis misinformation tag on your post, it was true. Like if anyone mm-hmm. if Instagram was putting a misinformation tag on your Instagram post that you posted on your story, it was the truth. And I was like, wow, that is so weird. Um, those things are whack. I saw a misinformation like flag on a post where there was just like a whale in the ocean one time. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, I don't what? know, man. They were like, this is politically incorrect. I'm like, it's a whale in the ocean. Huh? Yeah. So you just see, you just see this, this, this whole trajectory of what the progressives have done. Um, public schools teach progressive theory, which now develops into critical race theory, social justice, um, reinvented ideas of progressivism. It holds tradition in suspicion. Um, you know, now there's battles over or school boards deciding whether or not gender and sexuality should be discussed in elementary school. And because of this manipulation and this indoctrination, um, people are now hating the beautiful and free nation of the United States. They're taught that America is based on slavery and bondage. Um, Nancy Simpson is a journalist and she says, um, lamenting about how the beautiful country she's come to love, um, is now going through difficult times. It's very existent is under threat. Whoa, sorry. 
is now going through difficult times. Its very existence is under threat. If we are to survive as a nation, we need to go back and cling steadfastly to the ideals that gave us birth, that all men are created equal, that our inalienable rights come from God. <laughs> our inalienable rights come from God. Um, if, if we are going to continue being a nation that contributes to the flourishing of mankind within freedom, we have to go back to it's, we have to go back to our roots, back to what the mm -hmm. founding fathers said that religion of all kinds or uh, religion was necessary and right for a flourishing society for that mm -hmm. true happiness needed to be founded on the flourishing of mankind mm -hmm. in virtue and the Bible and in the word of God. Absolutely. I think the important thing to note from today is really just like through everything we've talked about through progressive education and every other aspect that that's leaking into is that through all of this, it's teaching you what to think. You know, you're mm -hmm. being taught, mm -hmm. hate this, change this. You're being taught, do this, be this cog in the machine to do, to do your career. Don't learn these other things, but think this, do this, all of these things. And when you go back to what education was originally founded for, people were learning about every subject. They were learning it through reading original sources. And, and now, instead of reading primary sources in history... And interpreting those and reading those and, and through that hands-on experience, learning how to formulate thoughts for yourself. Instead, now you're reading a textbook and being taught, this is what happened. This is how you should interpret it. And instead, you're just becoming another copy and paste of what the mm -hmm. progressive movement is trying to do. You know, instead of, it, and you can do that, apply that to any subject, go and look at all of them. But above all, it's this transition of learning how to think to learning what to think yeah and when you're learning what to think you don't control what you think absolutely and that that really i think just summarizes the all, everything we've talked about today yeah absolutely it's about thinking for yourself and like if you're gonna be taught to think about anything um compare that with the bible like literally be taught the word of god so you can be thinking like christ and thinking through everything that you face in in today today's age with mm -hmm. a biblical mindset. How do I face this? Um, mm -hmm. I want to close with a quote from George Washington. He says, um, he finishes in his circular letter to the governors. He prayerfully closes his letter in this way. He hopes that God would incline the hearts of the citizens to cultivate a spirit of subordination and obedience to government, to entertain a brotherly affection and love for one another, to do justice, to love mercy, and to act with humility. With that charity, humility, and pacific temper of mind, which were the characteristics of the divine author. Without a humble imitation of whose example in these things, we can never hope to be a happy nation. Without humility, justice, and love, we will never be a happy nation. If our nation is going to survive, it's, if it's going to continue, it needs to go back to the roots of what, if what, <laughs> what the word of God says in Micah. That we are to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. We are Chloe Noller and Mattingly Watson, and, and this, this is, is Fact, Fact of Life. The Fact of Life podcast can be found at, at Fact of Life podcast on Instagram or at Fact of Life pod on Twitter. Reach out to the host at Fact of Life podcast at gmail.com or send a message on Instagram or Twitter. Listen to the Fact of Life anywhere you get your podcasts, especially right here on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on The Fact of Life.